Merry Christmas again. Yeah. Feliz Navidad, yes. <laughs> Excellent. All right, just give me a second here and uh, we'll get going here. Hey, let's open our Bibles to uh, Matthew's Gospel. We've been in Matthew's Gospel for uh, a number of weeks now and we're cruising right along. And you'll need to have your hand there in Matthew chapter 1. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at the Gospel of Matthew, and, and that is a, a, a gospel that really focuses in, uh, on how Jesus is the rightful heir to the throne of David, an everlasting throne. And, um, and I wanted to share with you this morning, as we look at the birth of Jesus Christ, how God, how we used angels to remind his people that Christ was to come through the line of David and, and why that is significant. And, and it is. It's a, it's a very significant thing. If you look at uh, uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1 there, uh, verses 1 through 17 gives us a, a genealogy of Jesus through Abraham all the way to Jesus. And you'll notice that, especially in verse 17, it kind of sums it up for us. It says that from Abraham to David, there were 14 generations. And then from David to the Babylonian captivity was another 14 generations. And then from the Babylonian captivity to Jesus, another 14 generations. It almost sounds like this was planned. <laughs> because it was. God Almighty knew what he was doing. But why was it given to us in this way? You know, it, from Abraham to David, and then from David to the captivity, and then from the captivity to Jesus. Why did it land on David and not someone else? Why not someone else? Why did it have to be David? And we're going to see that shortly. But first, let's look at verse 18 now of Matthew's gospel. And what does it tell us? It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph... And the betrothal period was a year. They would, be, uh, they would be married in a sense, but they were not to consummate that marriage. It was a betrothal period, a, a trial time of one year. And notice, and, and you'll understand why this has become such a problem, <laughs> such a scandal. And then before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, notice, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. In other words, to get rid of her. You know, uh, I, I don't want anything to do with this woman because this has never happened before. We haven't become husband and wife, and, and now this? And you can understand why this would be a problem. So in verse 20, it says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared. Notice, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph. And if you have your Bibles here, I want you to underline something. Notice he says, Joseph, son of David. Joseph, son of David. Very significant. Do not be afraid, the angel tells him, to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And let me ask you a question. Why did the angel say Joseph, son of David, instead of just Joseph? Why did he remind him that he was a son of David? Why didn't he just say Joseph? 
Son of David is a messianic title for Jesus. He is the son of David. And the fact that the angel reminded Joseph, son of David, I believe that is because of all the stress and the scandal that was going on in Joseph's life at that time. You know, he was in the middle of all of this difficulty and he needed some heavenly reinforcements. Wouldn't you agree? Because God knew what Joseph was going through and the struggle to believe what the Holy Spirit had done. In fact, this had been prophesied for hundreds of years prior that this would happen, that the Spirit of God would plant the seed in Mary's womb. And this was very hard for a man to believe. Remember, this had never happened ever. And guess what? It's never going to happen again. This was a one-time shot in all of history, in all of eternity. This was the moment... And it would be very hard for any one of us, especially men, to understand this and not to have a problem with this. Everybody follow? (laughs) It's a difficult thing. So guys, how would you feel? If you were in the middle of your betrothal period and the Spirit of God um, came upon your wife and all of a sudden she's got a baby boy growing, that'd be very difficult for you to handle, for to understand But have you had instances in your life, guys or or ladies, when you felt like you were hanging on by a thread of faith (laughs) and then God comes in at the last minute and gives you some encouragement? Have you felt like your faith was, you were hanging on by a thread? Well, I can tell you that Joseph at this moment was probably feeling that way. He's like, this has never happened before. I'm, re- I'm really struggling here. And I love God and the fact that when we are struggling, that he comes in and he ministers to us in our darkest hour, in our time of greatest need, in the time when we are the most desperate. And we live in desperate times today. And God is still on the throne and he's still ministering to his people. He's ministering to each of us separately and corporately. And what a blessing it is, right? But notice in this instance that God used an angel. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, concerning angels, he, uh, the author says, are, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? And was Joseph one of those people too? Yes, he was. And you and I are too. I believe in, in guardian angels because of this verse. And I've seen it in my own life, times that I should have been snuffed out. And perhaps you have too. Instances in your life where unexplained circumstances, maybe a person intervened or something happened and it averted a disaster in your life, even death. And, and now, you know, this angel is coming to Joseph in his greatest moment of need. And he's like, I, I just don't get it, Mary. I love you. And I know you're a good girl, but I just don't understand. And nobody else does too, because it's never happened. And it never will happen again. This was a one-time thing. But God has always responded to desperation in his people. He's done that in my life. Whenever there were times that I really cried out to him, where I was really on my face in tears, God had always come to my aid. Maybe not at that exact moment. He may have given me peace at the moment for some reason that I couldn't understand, but he helped me, and he's helped you, and each one of us has stories that we could tell. But for Joseph, help was on the way, and finally it had come. uh, God had come to put hope in his heart and set his mind at ease with this 
situation. So the angel now continues in verse 21, and he says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Certainly the Jews, but all of mankind. And so all of this, verse 22, was done that it might be fulfilled. Notice, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And here's the verse from Isaiah 7.14, a verse we know very well. And notice that the angel is not giving him his opinion. He's pointing him to the scripture, which is always a good thing for us. He says, behold, notice, the virgin shall conceive. That's never happened, and it'll never happen again. Only one virgin has conceived, and it's Mary Mary, the mother of God, the virgin. Notice the the definite article. Not a virgin, but the virgin. A very specific young lady, probably in her teenage years, 14 or 15 years old. And notice, behold, Isaiah says, the virgin shall conceive and bear a child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So again, pointing Joseph to the word of God, and and yet another reminder. And Joseph needed this reminder because, again, I believe he was struggling. Have you ever struggled? (laughs) We all struggle. And God is always wanting to point us back to him, back to the word of God, not to man's help. There's nothing wrong with getting help from man at times, but the, the best kind of help is the help that God can give you. And I would encourage you that in your life, as you run across difficulties, the greatest and the most substantial form of help you can get is to come before Christ himself. Drop to your knees and pray before you do anything, before you go anywhere. Acknowledge him in that circumstance. And certainly, Joseph here is, he doesn't know what to do. He's struggling, and yet the Lord shows up. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 2. The next thing that happens chronologically immediately after this event is not what we see in the following verses in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 2. It's actually in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Let's read it. And notice Luke chapter 2, it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, Excuse me. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph, notice verse 4, also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, notice, to the city of David. Underline that. The city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. Now, let me ask another question. Why didn't Luke just say Bethlehem? Why did he add the phrase, the city of David? This was no coincidence. There's a reason for this. Why did he call Joseph the son of David? Why did he call Bethlehem the city of David? And again, no no doubt Luke is trying to stir the minds of those who would read his gospel to get them to remember the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus said, remember to the Jews, remember what he said to them. He says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Yes, everything in the Bible points to Jesus. 
And then in Psalm 40, verse 7, Then I said, Behold, I come, in the scroll of the book it is written of me. And so Jesus here is saying that it's all about me. Every place name, every nuance of the Bible is all pointing to Jesus. And the fact that the angel will call Joseph, son of David, He's opening his heart to remember, David, do you remember when you were in synagogue all those years up to now? You've heard these scriptures over and over again. Remember that you're a son of David and this miraculous birth from Isaiah 7.14. Yes, that's your wife and, and, and the wheels are turning. Can you, can you see that? And he's like, okay. I get it, I still don't understand it, but Lord, you've told me, and so I'm going to believe you. And notice, going on in verse 5 here in Luke 2, it says that he went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So Mary here was in her third trimester. And ladies, for those of you who have had children, that third semester, that third uh, trimester is the most difficult. Because you're like the Humpty Dumpty ready to pop right? You're feeling really uncomfortable. Nothing fits. You're, everything tastes good except for the things that are logical. And, and, and here she is in her third trimester about ready to pop. And can you imagine the donkey ride, ladies? Yes, this is a map of where they went. She went from Nazareth up in the north, and they, they, they went all the way from there down to Bethlehem, some 40 to 50 miles of her on a donkey over very rough terrain and a very treacherous ride in her third trimester with no medication, <laughs> no Advil, <laughs> no Moltrin. She had nothing, and God sustained her. And notice verse 6, so it was that while they were there, the seven days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him, notice, in literally strips of cloth, and laid him in a manger. A manger is nothing more than a, a limestone feeding trough for animals. Not the wooden thing that we see that's all elegantly made. This was a feeding trough that they would lay, Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of the universe and everything in it, laid him in it. This lowly, unsuspecting child, yet the Savior of the world. And notice in verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds. Now we're going to see another angelic visitation. An angel comes and, and ministers to Joseph in his struggle. And now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, verse 8, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were very afraid. Wouldn't you be afraid? Never seen this before. <laughs> this is all new. And then the angel, notice, the angel said to them, these shepherds, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to just the Jews? No, what does it say in your Bibles? All people. Jesus is not just a Jewish Messiah. He had to come from some race to be born into it, to deliver us, and he chose the Jews. But to all people, for there is born to you this day, notice, the angels telling these shepherds, oh, by the way, in the city of David, I mean, couldn't he have just said Bethlehem? These shepherds, too, had gone to synagogue all their life. They knew about the prophecies that we're going to look at in a few moments. 
They knew about all these things, and yet they needed some encouragement too because they've never experienced an angel speaking to them. And then, and, and then notice the angel said, the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord, the, the Messiah that you've been waiting for, he's going to be born in the city of David. Notice again, he didn't just say Bethlehem. He, the angel is trying to tie the knot, if you will, or to, or to bring what they've learned so far to the here and now. And the shepherds, remember, they were despised and they were looked down upon, the castoffs, the last in the cultural mindset. They were the first ones that Christ would reveal himself to. They were the first ones. You know, the angels didn't go to, you know, Herod. He, he didn't go to Caesar Augustus in Rome, the big shots. He didn't go to the religious leaders. No, he went to the people that nobody else wanted to be around, and that was the shepherds. Nobody wanted to be around a shepherd. They were, they were kind of flaky. <laughs> but notice who first got wind of this. This announcement, it was these shepherds. And they too were reminded. And notice verse 12, And this will be a sign to you, the angel tells them. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, as if that wasn't uh, glorious enough, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. We could use some peace in this world right now, couldn't we? I don't know, can we? <laughs> yeah, and some goodwill toward men. That sounds like a pretty good thing. So it was, verse 15, that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen them, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. These unpredictable, unlikable people, all of a sudden their testimony is a big deal because they've truly seen something. When somebody sees something that miraculous, there's something about their testimony that grabs you because you know they're not lying to you. You look in their eyes, you see their physical, their nonverbal communication, and everything is screaming, this really happened, and I'm here to tell you, and there's boldness. And that's exactly what these shepherds did. Now go and find the babe lying in a manger, verse 17. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the, uh, the saying concerning the child, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But notice, Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds. They returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and had seen as it was told them. Pretty amazing passages, wouldn't you agree? And this is the beginning of the life of our Savior. But there's three questions that I have. Number one, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, what is the significance of the angel referring to Joseph as the son of David? What is the significance of that? And secondly, in Luke chapter 2, verse 4, why did Luke refer to Bethlehem as the city of David instead of just Bethlehem? In Luke chapter 2, 11 that we just read, why did the angel say to the shepherds to look for Christ the Lord born in the city of David? Why didn't they just say Bethlehem? Yes, these were all reminders given to them for a reason. 
Joseph, the shepherds, the Jews, they had all grown up in synagogues and heard all their life these scriptures concerning the Messiah who was to come to the earth and to save sinners like you and me. Is anybody a sinner here this morning? <laughs> I'm a sinner. Before I came to Christ, and even now, but I, 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 the Lord is working, obviously, in our hearts and conforming us to his image. But if you're a sinner, then we can have uh, this confidence, if we put our faith in Jesus, that we'll go to heaven. And I love that, because I want to go to heaven. Anybody here want to go to heaven? I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to the other place. I don't want to go to hell. But the Bible tells that there's only two places that we go, right? And so... They needed to be reminded, but God was also going to make sure that his, he was going to follow through on the promises that he made long ago. Now, this is where we find out why all of these things that the angels are speaking to Joseph, the angels are speaking to the, the shepherds, you know, the city of David, Joseph, son of David. What is the big deal about David? Well, in Genesis 49, verse 10, remember when Jacob was on his deathbed, he spoke to all of his 12 sons. And when he got to Judah, he said something specific. He said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Shiloh is a reference to Jesus, the Messiah. But the scepter is something that a king would hold out. And the scepter will not depart from Judah. So there's something about Judah. And, and, and we know that uh, David was from what? What tribe? He was from the line of Judah. So already, back here in Genesis, there's a hint of why, of something that was, God was developing, this plan of salvation as it went along. And then, to look at 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, uh, it's called the Davidic Covenant. It was when God spoke to David through, the, through Nathan the prophet. And what did God speak to David at that time? He says, when your days are fulfilled, David... And didn't we just read in Matthew that David came from the line of Judah? He did. From Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to Judah, and then from Judah down to David. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your own body. And we know this is Solomon physically and, and, and immediately. But then I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. Notice, forever. Is Solomon going to live forever in the flesh on the earth? No, he only lives 70 years. He's in heaven now, but he only lives 70, 70 years. So God is saying, but forever I'm going to establish your throne. And notice, I will be his father and he shall be my son. And if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the son of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And verse 16 is so wonderful. And your house, David, and your kingdom, the Davidic line from Judah, your house, your kingdom shall be established forever before you. And God repeats it again, your throne shall be established forever. So even after, you know, David and Solomon and Rehoboam and the list goes on of the Davidic dynasty, and then after Jesus died on the cross, there hasn't been a king on the throne in Jerusalem. There's a president, but he's not the king. He's not from the line of David as far as we know. But we know Jesus will come back at the end of the tribulation period. 
But notice what it says in Isaiah of a verse, and, and the prophets Isaiah and Daniel and Micah, they tie this all together too. What does it tell us in Isaiah? We read it, we sung it this morning. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So this child who is a son, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. This child who is a son would be called Mighty God? Yes, Everlasting Father, are you kidding me? Yes. The Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of what? David. So who is this son who is a, a, a child, a son, and Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, come in human flesh? What is his name? Jesus. So why is it a big deal? That the angel tells Joseph, who was very concerned at this time, Joseph, son of David. Why did he tell the, the shepherds? By the way, he's in Bethlehem. Hint, hint, the city of David. They're going to remember these scriptures. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7 would come into their mind going, oh my goodness, that's what that was all about. That's who this is. He is God come in human flesh. And notice, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, and the zeal of the uh, Lord of hosts will perform this. Love that. And we'll just skip to uh, this, this, uh, the last one here, Micah. Micah 5, verse 2. This is a, another scripture reference that we hear this time of year often. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, and this is the birthplace of David also, and also of Jesus. But this was prophesied before Jesus was even born. But here's the prophecy. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one. And if you look in your Bibles, the word one is capitalized usually because the translators wanted to make sure you got the connection. This is the one to be ruler in Israel. Notice whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Doesn't that sound like what we just read in Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7? And 2 Samuel 7, your kingdom and your throne will be established forever and ever. So is David a big deal? Yes. That's why the genealogy in Matthew was from Abraham or I'm sorry, from your vantage point, from Abraham to David and David to the captivity, the captivity to Christ. Why wasn't it to somebody else? No, David, because these promises of God were all tied up in David and his seed and ultimately his seed, Jesus Christ. That's awesome, isn't it? And so now as these shepherds and as Joseph, he's struggling to believe what they're seeing, what they're hearing. The angels very naturally, supernaturally say, guys, I know this is hard to believe, but I'm going to make it real easy for you because Joseph, I'm going to call you the son of David because that's who you are and it's going to spark something in Joseph's mind. And you shepherds, <laughs> go to Bethlehem. Yes, Bethlehem, but the city of David. And can you imagine those shepherds going, yeah, Micah 5.2. We just read that last week in the synagogue. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands, yet out of you shall come the one to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. So Jesus is our Savior. 
whom the prophets foretold hundreds of years and even a few thousand years in advance. And the details of his birth were specific. And, and, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. These are just a handful of a few. But they were fulfilled very literally. And I love that. But Jesus, as we sung this morning, he was born to die for you and me. As we celebrate his birth, his birth had a purpose. It wasn't just the, the cute baby in the, in the manger, and it, and it is. It is. There's something adorable and, 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 and uh, unassuming. And, and even it, what it does is it, it, it un, unarms you when you see a baby in a manger because the baby in the manger is no threat to you. But the Bible says that this baby would ultimately grow, grow with wisdom, and ultimately he would die on the cross for you. The very blood of God, he would be purchased for us. And this baby, when he comes back again, will come back as a conquering general to the earth. He came to save, and, and, and that's what it's all about. So he bore the penalty for our sins once and for all, has given us the author of forgiveness and eternal life through faith in his atoning death on the cross and his resurrection. We know these verses awfully well. John three sixteen verse uh, 16 through 18. For God so loved the world, the world. He loved the entire world Everybody in it that he gave, notice the gift that God gave. As we celebrate Christmas, think of the greatest gift that was given to us by Almighty God. He gave, and here it says it right here, that for God so loved the world that he, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. There's two camps there's either uh, everlasting contempt and death or everlasting life. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to choose everlasting life in Jesus. How about you? I'm going to choose that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he who believes in him in Christ is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so today's a really good day. If you have heard this message over and over again throughout your life, I would encourage you today, if there's any doubt in your own heart, would you consider giving your heart to Christ? The greatest thing you could do on this day, on Christmas Day, if you haven't already, is to bow your knee before the Creator, the one who loves you, the one who died for you and paid the price so that you would never see death and hell. He paid that price once and for all. And folks, that is the gospel. That is very good news. It's the best news you're ever going to hear. And God has secured that in his Son, and we owe him our life. We owe him everything. I want to give my life, and I have, and I want to continue to give my life to him. Lord, your will be done, and thank you for letting me be a part of it, because I am the better for it. I am blessed. I can't imagine doing anything else but doing what I'm doing right now, sharing with you these truths. This life-giving message is so critical. It's the greatest thing you will ever hear with your wonderful ears. In Romans 10, 13, it says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're not saved this morning, would you consider asking Christ 
asking the Spirit of God to take up residence. And it's really easy. And I'm not going to have anybody come forward, but I'm going to ask you in the own, your own volition, the privacy of your own conscience right now, if you are not a believer in Christ, if you are not born again, if the Spirit of God does not reside in you, all you got to do is cry out to say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I am a sinner, but I need you, God. I am in a mess. The world is a mess, but I know that you're not the author of this confusion. And Lord, I need peace. I need, I need the assurance of salvation. And when you're born again, God gives you that assurance of salvation. You need that. I need that. I need that assurance, and I've got it. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of the finished work that Christ did on the cross. It's finished, he said on the cross. To tell us day, your debt has been paid in full, a big rubber stamp. It is finished. And there's no longer any enmity, there's no longer any hatred between you and God. He has given you his spirit if you're born again. And all you got to do is ask, confess our sins before him and say, Lord, forgive me and take up residence, Lord, in my heart, in my life and make me one of yours. It is one of the most beautiful things that will ever happen to you. And I pray that today would be that day. I pray that today would be that day. And you may feel a little uncomfortable even considering it here in this room full of people, but I want to encourage you sometime today, would you get alone with him? After all the gifts are open and after all the fun that you have, and there's nothing wrong with that. Enjoy time with family. But when you get a moment, will you go into, a, into your room and just get on your knees and say, Lord, I want, to, I want to receive you. I've heard about this all my life, and I am tired of fighting. I'm tired of hearing this message, and I know it's true, but I'm tired of wrestling with you, and now I want to give it up, and I want to give it willingly to you my life, everything, and would you forgive me, Lord, for all of the sin that I've committed? And you know, he will. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to not only forgive us our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is no greater deal that you could have on this earth. It is the blessed hope. Would you make that decision today? It'll be the greatest thing you've ever done. And so, because he gave himself so willingly to him, what can we give him? It's pretty simple. Give him your heart. Give him your life. Give him your adoration. Give him Jesus Christ. Give him your worship and your service. Your service. I pray that this time, I know this is a difficult time in history, not only in the church, but in our country. And I pray that this time will be the very best for you and your family, even though things may be a little different, even though things may be a little more difficult, even though things may be a little strained, and even though you may have a little less money, I pray that you would experience the very love and the blessings of God this season more than any other time in your life. And so thank you. And I, I, I just want to say a prayer for you, if you would. And then um, if you could keep my wife and my daughter and I in prayer, we're going to be literally, after I leave this platform, we're getting in a car and going to the airport to go to Florida. Don't feel sorry for us. Um, you know, it's going to be, I, I heard that the weather's changing. Originally, it was going to be really cold, but it's going to be like in the 80s uh, toward the end of the week. So don't hate us too much. Um, you, can, you can pray against us if you want. I don't know if God will answer it, but... 
So if I zap out of here, don't take offense to it. We're just trying to get there on time. But I just thank you so much, and I pray that God fills your families, lives, and your heart with just the, the Spirit of God and just the true joy that is completely unnecessary. It's not even dependent upon circumstances. It's a joy that only God can give you because your heart is right with him. And so, Father, we just pray for that today, Lord. I pray that you would fill and bless uh, everyone here, my brothers and sisters, and even those who don't know you yet, God. Would today be the day that they would give their heart to you? And, Lord, thank you for this wonderful privilege, this wonderful grace that you've given us. And thank you for giving us your Son, Lord, without whom we would be completely and hopelessly lost in a world of darkness. And then at the end of it all, Lord, we would go to a place Lord, that we don't even like to talk about. But Lord, for those of us who have and will, Lord, our, our eternity will be secure because it is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Would you please encourage our hearts with this this day? And would you keep us all safe as we go our separate ways? And would you bless our habitations? And, and Lord, encourage the kids as they open the presents and as they drink the hot chocolate and get wired with sugar. <laughs> and us as well, Lord, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. Be glorified in this place always. Keep us safe and in your tender care. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.